Hi guys, I'm Brad Montgomery and welcome to The Breakdown. And here we talk about different topics in science, psychology, and investing. Today we're going to be talking about gardening and what vegetables would do best for us here in the borderland. Before we get started, if you missed us, you can always catch any of our episodes by going to kfoxtv.com. Now let's break it down. And we're back, or you're back here, Denise, with us. Denise S. Rodriguez, County Extension Agent with Texas A&M. And today we're going to be talking about that gardening. I mean, we're heading towards springtime. People are getting spring fever. You know, you start to feel those first few warm afternoons. So, and you, and you start thinking about, you know, what's going to be growing and growing plants and in your yard coming back. And so what are we going to talk about as far as vegetable gardening today? Uh, what can we learn today? Sure, we'll talk a little bit about the basics of vegetable gardening because ultimately what we want people to do is be successful in growing vegetables. So our goal is to provide people with knowledge and tools to be able to make those best judgment calls for their garden, for their yard. Oh, great. And I'm really curious to be, to be learning basically what were the best <laughs> ones. I always call the easier ones that maybe we can get away with here. Right. Before we dive on in, though, we do have a viewer question. Yes, we do, Brad. So this viewer question comes in from Ian, and he asks, I don't have much space for a backyard garden. What vegetables or herbs are easy to downsize for an apartment setting? That's a good question. That's yeah. a great question. So I think the best thing to kind of look at is tomatoes and basil actually make a really great companion plants. They're really easy to grow together. They like each other, and they do really well in the kitchen as well. So They taste well together. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Now, so... so Let's let's start here because I, I like to start in the beginning. It's basically everyone can know everything they need to know. Right. So so you you want to start a garden? Where do you start? What are the first things that you you should get, or 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 the first steps you should take? Okay, definitely. So the first thing to do is be realistic. So if you're looking on the internet and looking on all these apps that have these beautiful gardens and they look great and they're definitely like Instagram worthy, mm -hmm. but a functioning <laughs> garden is going to not look beautiful all of the time. So okay. you have to be realistic in that. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you're growing vegetables, what you can grow is limited, of course, to our climate. And we can right. talk a little bit about where our climate sits and those vegetables that we can grow. But the first thing to also start on to look at is what you like to eat. So you have to grow something that you want to eat and you want to enjoy because it's going to be a labor of love. It's going to take time. It's going to be painstakingly. Sometimes it's going to be hot or dusty or windy out there working and tending to your garden. So you have to make sure that that end is worth it. Can you, can you grow pizza? No, you can have a pizza garden right. <laughs> with all the ingredients. And well, that's the good thing about this too, is because there are a lot of fruits and vegetables that are actually very tasty that you, you can actually grow yourself. So you, so you basically need to know, don't be too optimistic or, or too idealistic, I guess, yeah. as far as, you know, your, your end result. It's kind of a process, basically, is what you're saying to get from point A, basically to point Z in this case. Absolutely. So I love to sit with people and dream about gardens and talk about that. But the fact is that we live in reality. And my ultimate goal is for people to be successful with their gardening efforts, because I want them to continue that and be able to build upon their skills. Okay, so then that's, that's, kind of a good jumping off point. So what are some beginner friendly plants that, that you would recommend, um, you know, for someone that's kind of just jumping in, they've seen a bunch of stuff It's springtime. Right. What would you suggest? Well, I think one of the best vegetables to grow here in El Paso that does great all summer long is toma our tomatoes. Okay. Uh, you can buy, you know, cherry tomatoes, all different sorts of colors and shapes all the way up to slicing tomatoes mm -hmm. that are big and hearty and make great for great sandwiches. And plus groceries, 
sold vegetables, mm -hmm. or especially tomatoes, are not very tasty. I mean, they're grown to be able to be shipped from point A to point B, but they're not really grown Big for difference. taste. Big yeah. difference, yes. So once you, once you taste them, you realize really what you're missing out. I actually had, uh, I, had I was given some compost. Yeah. <clears throat> One of our anchors had done a special story on, I, I can't remember what it was, anyway, it was something to do with someone using compost and gardening and all mm -hmm. that. And so they they know I like plants. Gave me some compost. A little tomato plant sprouted in that compost. Oh right. Mm -hmm. So I kept it, and it was a cherry tomato. And you're right, they do really well here. Mm -hmm. And it was nice because you can just pluck them off and eat them. They taste great. Way different than they do in the store okay. uh, when they're fresh off the plant like that. And so I let it grow all summer long. All I did was throw water on it. I think I throw water on it maybe every other day. Mm -hmm. And all summer long, I had cherry tomatoes that when I was ever on the side, I'd see them and I'd grab a couple and eat them. Yeah. So that's really good. The, the tomatoes like it. Are there any others that you recommend? Yeah. So you can grow chili, you can grow eggplant. Ah. They're great uh, crops for the summertime here as okay. well. So yeah, any of the, of the vegetables um, that grown and transplants, you can buy the transplants in garden centers all around town as well. And some other plants, you can directly grow those by seed. So your melons, cucumbers, uh, watermelon, kennel up all of those guys do really great but just by directly sowing those into the ground into the soil okay yeah and like the chili plants it's, um it's funny because if you have the hanging chili kind of decoration yes. the restrezzer are they'll pop up sometimes underneath right. <laughs> underneath those <laughs> they really they do grow well here i, I gr i've grown jalapeno here mm -hmm. as well as green chili and yeah i mean they once they start producing they just seem to fruit and heat does not bother the chili plants either so tomatoes very heat tolerant the chili very heat tolerant now you mentioned and this is something i really want to get into as mm -hmm. well should you start from seed or should you get the store-bought starter plants already going? That's a, that's a great question because, you know, um, I always set up people for success. So things like tomatoes, chilies, eggplants, buy those as transplants if you're just starting out. Okay. And the reason for that is that you want to make sure that you have a nice hardy plant to go into your soil or into your raised bed. Um, the problem with us is that once the spring comes around we have high winds and then <laughs> yeah. right after that the heat sets in right so we have a very narrow window uh and tomatoes are kind of peculiar in that way is that they'll shut off mm. if it gets too hot for them so they'll have a nice big green bushy plant with no uh, tomatoes on there right. so we need to be able to put those transplants in the ground have them establish their root system going and then that way they can produce within that window of time. If we set them out by seeds, mm -hmm. it would be just too early for them to warm up, the soil to warm uh, up so that, and they'll miss that window. You'll have right. great fall tomatoes, but right. I mean, by October, I mean, <laughs> you've lost yeah. the entire- They the like entire that head season. start. Yeah, they need the head start on there. Okay. But your larger, uh, some plants like your melons, cucumbers that people love to grow, they take up a lot more space so because they are viney crops. Yeah. So they're going to grow long ways, uh, horizontal. Mm -hmm. uh, you can grow those directly by seed. Those biggest things for those is having enough space to grow them, right. whether you have space to sprawl or, or to trellis them up. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they, they grow so rapidly. I've seen some right. of those squash. And now what are some of the other um, yeah. um, that you would recommend for you? Like, so you talk about, we mentioned the chiles mm -hmm. as well. Are there, so 
they, obviously they do grow. They grow well here because we're known for them here. Right. What is the kind of time for planting those, setting those out? And do you recommend store-bought plants or with those, do you recommend seeds or how would you recommend? So we have to kind of use our gardening calendar. That's okay. our biggest thing. So our last frost is historically April 15th. Now, the closer you get to April 15th, the less of a probability that you're going to get a very hard freeze. Right. So again, we're talking about planting windows at optimum time for that. So I would recommend even going in a month earlier. So starting by March 15th onward, you still have a good chance to establish your plants mm -hmm. in the garden um, and without a risk of having such a big detrimental freeze or a killing freeze, if you will, to those plants. But there's also ways that you can protect them once they're in the ground or once they're in the raised bed. So and let's talk about that because yeah a lot of times as you get moved through March you can see a brief freeze but luckily by that time of year it would be a pretty brief dip and then when the sun comes up we know in March the temperature can can rise pretty quickly so so let's say you know you know worst case scenario so you don't freak out you know you mm -hmm. got your your seeds in the ground I guess don't worry about the seeds but mm -hmm. your transplants in the, right. in the dirt and then you're two weeks in two three weeks in oh my gosh we're gonna get down to 29, what do I do? <laughs> right, so. absolutely. So the most important thing is not to freak out. Um, it depends on what that weather forecast is gonna be at because it's not just the dip in temperatures, it's also the duration that we're gonna be at that low temperature. So the worst case scenario, you could have a little tip damage, mm -hmm. which is just the tip of the plants being, you know, died off, mm -hmm. if you will. But if you're really concerned and they're really forecasting a very deep freeze for a long period of time, you can protect the, the plants themselves. Okay. A lot of times people like to grow tomatoes and cage them. So they put a, a nice little wire cage oh, over the tomato itself. Well, that kind of adds as a, first of all, a first line of protection, but you can also add either a frost blanket to that. You can add an old sheet, an old piece of cloth. I mean, even worst case scenario, it's not the best thing to use, but you can even use those white kitchen bags uh, oh, yeah, that are yeah. that are white. You know, they're going to reflect some of that heat. You mm -hmm. don't want any of the plant to actually touch the leaves to touch that plastic because they may burn. Okay. Um, but it's a great way to be able to protect from colder cooler temperatures, but also for that wind protection too, because right. these plants are growing and they're tender, but they're kind of lanky too. Like mm -hmm. they'll kind of sway in the, I mean, if, if those winds kind of kick up too hard, they, there's a snap. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's yeah. no way we can amend that snap <laughs> once right. it snaps off. So those are kind of some True. insurance policies that yeah. you can put in when you're talking about growing tomatoes. Okay. Sounds good. And so, and so let's say you get this, the seeds or plants and let's take mm -hmm. two different areas here so the seeds how often once you plant your seeds should they be watered absolutely so when you're looking to buy seeds whether that's from a catalog or from a garden center you're going to have all this great information in a very small envelope mm -hmm. the back of that envelope is going to tell you the number of days it takes to germinate which is the number of days it's going to sprout from the ground up uh, and then it's going to tell you the number of days to harvest okay. so mm -hmm. i always tell people keep those little envelopes handy mm -hmm. um, that way you know what you planted when you planted those and then what to expect so that's going to indicate when you're going to start seeing those that fruit um, or those vegetables okay. harvest okay. throughout the time um, sometimes you don't want to plant everything all at the same time uh, you can grow uh, radishes or carrots that are very much easily done in 30 days to get some radishes out there um, you don't want to plant all those at the same time so you can break up that planting time between one or two weeks and then that way you have a continuous harvest okay. going out on there and and so and then for the watering, I guess summer watering is hugely important, and I, I want to get to that. But yeah. like, as far as like springtime, you know, you you get your plants, 
going. Right. And I would say what, because you don't want to, when it's really, if it's chilly at night, you don't want to overwater. Right. Uh, so we live, obviously, in, in El Paso with water restrictions. Right. Oh, so that's, that's right. the first thing we need to make that's sure right. that we're watering on our correct day. Big uh, thing. And then the second thing is I always like to encourage people to water early on in the day okay. as well. So the earlier you can do that, um, more than likely your chances are going to be that you're going to be around, whether you're getting up and being around your house and hearing if the sprinkler line is broken or there's a massive drip. You don't want to make sure you be a good steward of the water mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, and then that way you're able to, to kind of mediate any of those uh breaks in the line um but another thing that's for the health of the plant itself is that if the water splashes too closely to the plant itself sometimes that can uh kind of like vector some kind of diseases or fungus that's growing in the soil oh, interesting. so if you water early on in the day the chances are it's only going to get warmer throughout the day that's going to give that water a chance to evaporate and not prevent that water from kind of soaking in the leaves oh, I'm just sitting on there if you do it at nighttime then what's going to happen at night the temperatures go down the humidity goes up and then mm. that water is just going to sit there on the leaves so you want to also minimize the least chances of pest or disease okay that's interesting okay so so basically early morning um, better and that way it can evaporate if it does get on the plant and then you, and as far as summer goes oh. on the high heat days so basically your watering day in the morning right um, okay absolutely and I think one important thing to consider is also our soil amendments that we use because all of those guys really play a big factor into water retention and okay. keeping the water from evaporating and that was that was one of the things that I had wondered about what because you hear people talk about it from time to time. And actually, I, I have used it, but it was already kind of... I used it once or twice, but it was already in the bag of soil. Okay. And it, it had, like, mentioned it as one of the things on the bullet points. But what are some things that you can add to help that you can mix in yourself, maybe? Absolutely. So one of the things that you can add is compost. And that compost can come either in large areas. You can, if you have a pickup truck, you can get a you know, cubic yard of, yeah. of compost, or you can go to the garden center and buy that in small cubic bag. Right. And okay. there's online calculators that you can use to be able to calculate how much you're going to need for your square footage of your garden. I think really the important thing to talk about, especially in El Paso, is that whenever we're answering gardeners' questions, um, we always ask them what zip code do they live in. And for us, it's not to be nosy. It's just because we have so many different types of soil throughout yeah. El Paso. You know, we have the deep, really clay soils in the growing valleys, the upper and lower valleys, and we have the really deep, sandy soils near the airport area. Area, but the closer that you get to the mountain, I mean, you have little to non-existing soil profile yeah, on there. Especially the west side. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so in that case, you know, that's why the compost is going to be that number one thing. Because it's going to help all those different types of soils. It's going to add aeration for those heavy clay soils. And it's also going to help that water retention in your sandy or non-existent soils as well. So by knowing that what soil people have, then we're able to better direct them as far as planting, uh, you know, with their soil uh, and whether they're going to do raised beds or they're going to do in-ground vegetable gardening. And, and before we, because we're going we're gonna to touch on that as well, um, very important, I think, topic. Mm-hmm. What, what do you recommend as far as fertilization and, and when should you start? Because if they, I think I've heard if you fertilize when plants are too young, they're kind of, it can damage them actually. They're a little bit, they're not quite as strong when they're young and they can, I guess that, that fertilization can almost, <laughs> not supercharge them, but 
I'm just taking backwards. Yeah, so fertilizer is gonna be salt. Okay. So any kind of configuration of fertilizer has a salt, so that has a tendency to burn plants. Uh, okay. If it gets too close to the base of the plant or it sits on the leaves or something of that nature. Um, so the best thing that you can do is use what's called a water-soluble fertilizer. And these are gonna be granules, sometimes they're bright blue and white or something, and you dilute that in a five-gallon bucket. Okay. Uh, and then what you're able to do is those salts become into the slurry in this water, uh, in this water bucket, and then you can plant that around the base of the, the plant itself. Okay. And that's going to be the best way to get those available nutrients directly to the roots of the plant itself. Okay. And I think now they have some of that. The one I like is the um, Miracle Grow, that shake and feed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you just shake it down and then every time you water, I guess it just releases, kind of a slow release. Right. I, I like the slow release. I mean, what do, yeah. what do you recommend? Is one the, over the other slow release versus the regular? Or well, just? they're going to give you different, they're going to give you different effects on there. Okay. That that uh, soluble fertilizer is going to be some quick nutrients for that rapidly growing plant. Uh, okay. And then your slow release is exactly what it says on the, on the label. It's going to be over time. So it's going to take a while for that uh, plastic to break down those little fertilizer pellets and then be released into the soil. So if you have a plant that's hungry and it's rapidly growing, you want to make sure that you get that water soluble, that quick energy shot uh, on there. And then sense. the long term is going to be to carry you out throughout the season with that slow release fertilizer. So, so both can be used. Yeah. And uh, I never even thought. So basically some of those, the faster, maybe some of the melons and stuff like that mm -hmm. are really vining and running. Right. You know, maybe the faster release fertilizer because those things probably need it. They're really hungry for that nutrients. Right, so. right, absolutely. Now you hear about people using coffee grounds, and I've heard about this for a long time. Right. I've tried it. I tried it. Now, not often enough to really, you know, kind of calculate any results. But I've tried it once or twice. I didn't really notice much of a difference. What are your thoughts on that? So coffee grounds, they have a lot of buzz, no, no pun intended, okay. right? Yeah, okay. they do. Them, yeah. Right? You know, because people like, they want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel they're like not averting trash from the right. landfill, right. you know? Um, it, and it does have some trace nitrogen, which is a predominant uh, nutrient that the plant is going to need to grow. Um, but in the long run, really what you're doing is you're you're adding some nitrogen on there, but you're also adding that organic matter. So mm. as we talked about earlier, that organic matter, which our desert soils are really poor in, right. um, can benefit all the way around. I think it's more of a feel-good thing. I don't really want you people to use coffee grounds exclusively because your plants are always going to have a nutrient deficiency if that's all that you rely on oh, okay. uh, but yeah i mean if if it's convenient and if it works for you i say go for it and and kind of like pivoting back mm -hmm. you know we mentioned the average last freeze april 15th mm -hmm. so when do you recommend people start their garden especially let's go seed and then starter plants when would you recommend sure absolutely so what i would do for your starter plants uh, especially your tomatoes you can start them like i said mid uh march okay, so you have march. a like four week window that you can start getting your soil prepared okay. you add that compost you mix that in nice. uh, and then you add your, your transplants to that as well now i wouldn't start that much earlier with your um seeds i would start in the beginning of april that's okay. going to be two weeks to our latest freeze. It's okay. going to be, you know, a little dicey. But like I said, you know, you get a lot of seeds in that one packet mm -hmm. too. So what you can also do, plant space out those plantings as well. 
if it gets way too cold and those plant those uh, seedlings never came up, then you can hit them again. And it's not going to be that much of an economic right. <laughs> issue yeah. uh, with your seeds as compared to your transplants. They're yeah. going to be much more pricey Good on there. Point. You can continuously do that uh, on there. And then really tomatoes are going to take the entire springtime to be able to grow vegetatively. So they're going to have great branches and some great uh, flowers to start setting in. But really that peak time for tomatoes, especially in El Paso, is going to be the end of June up all the way into 4th of July week. That's really going to be a peak uh, time for harvesting some of your tomatoes. So so, so basically we're looking at, we get the soil ready, mm-hmm. and it's just, we'll just use the tomatoes as an example. Yeah. They're in the ground mid-March. Mm-hmm. That way it gives them one month to get started. Mm-hmm. Average last freeze mid-April. Mm-hmm. So mid-March, we're looking at till we start seeing flowers and maybe some tomatoes. Yeah. June? In June. June. Yeah, so it's an investment of time and resources, right, that you're going to get that. And then it's also important to look at what kind of tomatoes you're going to put on there. So some tomatoes are going to be determinate. They're going to grow, they're going to harvest, and then they're going to start tapering off. You talked about cherry tomatoes, and that's one of my favorites because it's an indeterminate type of tomato. That plant will grow yeah. until it freezes <laughs> so sometimes right. that's like until like you know halloween yeah, early it's amazing. you know sometimes you just have to like cut it because yeah. or else you won't have time to have a fall garden if right. you don't so kind of i would look into see first of all number one if you want to do the slicer tomatoes the larger tomatoes those can be determinate okay. and then the cherry tomatoes are great to also add in salads they're quite you know snacks you can just eat those you know off the vine as right. well too Pick and those right will be up. a longer growing season for that so once those guys start producing so There's no holding back on yeah, those guys. Yeah, it's June all the way until it freezes. Until, like October, until you're done. November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, cherry tomatoes are really something else, especially for here. Uh, okay, so now, um, is there are there certain kinds of soil mixtures that give better results? And I know you said, I mean, there, there are things online. There was, I, I went to a site I was using for a while, years ago, and the soil, it gave you, like, basically use... You know this this amount of this this amount of that this amount of this and actually you worked pretty well mm-hmm. is are there certain things to get better results that you want to have a little more of I, I mean for me personally i've found just general compost mm-hmm. and there was a nursery on the east side mm-hmm. and they had some last year and it just made any plant grow vegetable regular plant i mean it was just i don't know what that was in that compost but i I think that's one of i know there's like some of the other stuff that you can mix in as well but just the general compost for me is kind of yielded very very good results right exactly that's gonna be really a rich compost if you will but a good way to mixture is to have equal parts volumetrically of topsoil sand and compost okay and that's going to be a kind of great indicator if you're doing some large raised beds Um, that's going to mainly going to be off you know a a truck or a delivery if you're looking and starting small with maybe some containers or some you know barrels that you want to convert into a small container garden i would look at garden centers that carry garden soil and that's really different than potting soil Mm -hmm. so um, the difference between that is the garden soil actually has soil in there it'll be a lot heavier um, and it's going to be optimum for uh, vegetable growth your potting soil is going to be like your your peat moss Mm -hmm. with a little white you know perlite Mm -hmm. in there Mm -hmm. Uh, that's really great for growing house plants or you know plants that are not for maybe for production as well it's just way too porous and it's not going to retain that water that you need so 
vegetables, you look for those bags that say garden, garden soil. soil. They already mm-hmm. have the mixture, kind yeah. of some of the soil and sand and all that. All of that in. already pre-packaged for nice. you. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And now let's let's get into that because that's like the $20,000 question. Yeah. You know, are we doing raised beds? Are we doing containers? Are we doing in-ground what, what do you what do you recommend and why? Okay, wonderful. So we've got to start off first of all to know that our vegetable patch, wherever it is and however it's being grown, you need a minimum of six hours of sunlight. Okay. Doesn't matter if it's morning, midday, or late day. Six hours. Okay. So sometimes that six hours is not going to be really close to where you had anticipated having mm. your raised bed. You may be limited on space. You just may be limited on accessibility right. as well, just getting to there. Um, and then also, it can also be what your soil you have. I mean, closer to the mountain, there's no, there's not a lot of topsoil there too. So Up by Franklin, I did a raised bed. Yeah, it's all about the raised beds <laughs> for there. But also, it's about choosing that location. So it's very much like you know, real estate says location, location, location. Yeah. That's certainly true with being successful with your vegetable garden. So you can certainly grow plants in the ground. Um, you're going to have to be a little creative on how you're going to get, you know, the water to get to the water for it to stay in the in the raised in the in ground. Uh, but for most people, especially in the city, raised container beds is the way to go. You can construct those, you know, by either with wood. There's some prefab plastic ones. There's some galvanized metal. I mean, the materials are endless that which yeah. you can choose. So they can kind of like go with the aesthetic of your backyard. So mm-hmm. it kind of blends in really nicely. Um, and they have container kit, the actual kits. Yeah, and that's what I had done. I yeah. did the kit, and it, was, it came out. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty. And it's and, you know it's easy to assemble and disassemble as mm-hmm. well because you know it's not like a long term commitment either right. because it's you know it's for the season you're not looking for a long term landscape and so so soil basically determines your biggest determinant on in ground versus uh, mm-hmm. raised bed and, and and that's that's where I ended up going raised bed now now what is what is the are there any benefits or pros and cons for the containers versus just the raised bed. A container, like a, just a regular yeah, pot? Yeah, like, like if you've got like a big pot or you want to use like one of those old nursery pots, you had a tree in or something like that. Are, yeah. there, are there benefits to those versus just like a larger raised bed or is it pretty much the same? Well, it's pretty much the same, okay. but the good thing about containers is that they're mobile as well. Mm, so if you want to kind of move them closer to a little bit, maybe closer to your kitchen or to the outdoor patio window, you have that ability to move that, okay. whereas your raised bed is just fixed. fixed yeah. You know, um, the bad thing about uh containers or standalone containers is that there's really no buffer when it comes to temperature Mm. so when that sun really hits that side of the container it's gonna get really hot really Uh. quick so that means that your water is going to evaporate much faster your plant's going to be a lot under stress a lot quicker so you know the bigger the better when it comes which you're able to you know afford Mm. or what you like um it's going to give you a little bit more buffer space as far as temperature fluctuations okay great well well, we learned a lot. So, and then uh, there's one last thing I'll, I want to finish off on here because, so, and this is this is one thing I, I never really got too much into, and I'm curious myself. Mm-hmm. So now we've, you know, we, we've planted our vegetables, we've, we've, you know, plants have flowered, they've grown, they've, we've yielded and gotten yield of fr- fruit and vegetables, and now we're looking at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend for kind of the dormancy period for your garden. Do you kind of mulch everything back in? Do you just pull, take the plants out? Is there anything that you should do the soil as, as you go into winter, in the, from fall into winter, or do you just leave it alone? 
Yeah, so the best thing to do is always remove any kind of spent plants from your garden. Okay. You never want any kind of insects or diseases to overwinter uh, and then cause a problem for that next season. Okay. So it's kind of, it's really good to be tidy as far as removing any kind of that, of that material from there. It's also a great opportunity for you to be able to add additional organic matter in the form of compost to kind of fix that up for the next season. And there's people that, you I mean, we can grow vegetables all year around in El Paso. We're really lucky on that. For us, it's all about timing and putting the plants out at that particular window to maximize the yield. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Denise S. Rodriguez, County Extension Director with Texas A&M. We're going to have her back again. We've talked a lot of good plant stuff, and we really appreciate your knowledge. I learned a lot today. Uh, where are some sites that people can visit uh, to maybe find out more information about gardening or just plants for the area? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you can check out uh, elp.tamu.edu. That's our home site. And we also have our Texas Master Gardener site. It's txmg.org slash El Paso. All right. Thank you very much again, Denise.